You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. We've been talking about perspective and looking at things right, and I started a list of six things that you need to, we can adjust to change our perspective, things we can put into practice that changes our perspective. But, you know, we started out in the book of James where he says to set your focus, set your mind, set your, your thoughts, your, your attitude on the word and on what God is doing. Amen? Just like that scripture Pastor Sean shared, you know, so often we set our hearts and minds on the rewards we get here. But one of the things we're going to talk about is having an eternal perspective. That, man, I'm so blessed with what God blesses me here on earth with. But, man, you know, we've got to get a perspective that's more eternal. That if we never see anything on earth that comes back to us, and we know it will, but because he promised it. But if we never did, but got to see the rewards of heaven, I mean, that's having an eternal mindset. I would tithe, if there was not one promise associated with tithing or giving, or, you know, giving my finances, my time, my effort, my life, uh, man, it would be worth it just to see other people go to heaven. See, that's the eternal perspective. That's having a, that's having a God perspective. You know, one of the stories I want to share with you tonight is about a guy named George Clooney. Most people know who George Clooney is. He's a real famous actor, but... George Clooney faced, and he's not even a Christian, but he understood some things. He, he faced rejection after rejection after rejection. He got shot down continually for parts. And George Clooney, they say, is a pretty nice guy. And so when he went in to, uh, uh, to uh, act or, or what is it called, an uh, interview, whatever, uh, try out for a part, he really wanted the directors and the producers to like him. Because he's, he's, he's like, man, I, I'm a good guy, you, and I'm good at what I do. You know, I really want you to like me and pick me and all this stuff. And he just, he never got picked. I mean, he just got rejected all the time for all kinds of parts. And then he realized, he said, man, this isn't working. You know, and he started meditating on it, and he changed his perspective. And he, he realized that producers and directors had a, had a lot of pressure on them to, to cast their movies right. He always thought of it his that it was about him. Pick me, pick me, it's about me, 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 me. When he changed his perspective and started really thinking about the directors and the producers, what they needed, he went into the, the, the uh, tryouts. Instead of trying to get picked, he went in there trying to solve their problem. He changed his whole perspective, and he, he, was, he, he, he thought more about them than he did about himself. And when he did that, well, the rest is history. Part after part after part after part. Because he started thinking about what they needed. What does the Word of God say? That the greatest among us is a servant. You know, servants think about what, they're, what other people need first. And when he changed his perspective, man, his whole world changed. This guy's not even a believer. But he applied a Christian concept of thinking about the other people in the room first instead of himself, and that opened doors to stardom. I mean, he's acted in some great movies. He's won every award. He's 
made tons of money, he's rich, famous, whatever goes with that. Now, he doesn't have Jesus, so he doesn't have any true riches. But, you know, it's a great story about just a perspective change that opened up his world. Guys, we have to change our perspective about how we approach the world itself. Um, We talked about last week just, you know, being more objective when we face circumstances and situations and, and looking at them from an unbiased situation that, I love this quote, don't let the force of the impression when it first hits you knock you off your feet. Just say, hold on a moment. Let me see who you are and what you represent. Let me put you to the test. And we talked about the Word of God says to put spirits to the test. And we need to put, we need to put things to the test and say, okay, what spiritually, what is happening here spiritually? Is this a demonic spirit? And the, the Bible, when it talks about that, is talking about demons of t- deception that are coming to trick people and pull people away from the body of Christ. But, man, it's, that's still a general concept. We need to ask, is this the devil attacking? If it's the devil, then we deal with it totally differently. Or we say, is this God dealing with me? If God's dealing with us, then we need to approach it differently too. Amen? So that perspective, that spiritual perspective, and that objectivity saying, yeah, that, that hurt, that, that, that hit me hard, and the emotions, my emotions are pretty raw here, but I'm going to check my emotions, and I'm, I'm going to look at this thing and say, where is this coming from? Is this my sin? Is this, is this an open door that I've left open for the enemy because of stuff I'm doing? Or, or is this the, the God taking me on a journey to, in the wilderness? You know, And if it's God taking you on a journey through the wilderness, you want to embrace that instead of reject that. Because if you reject it and try to gripe and complain and you know, whine your way out of it, you'll end up like the children of Israel. You'll stay out there. They died in the wilderness. God took care of them. But it was, it was uh, same old, same old, man. Everything was the same every day. Same food, same scenery, same everything. And so you don't want to live like that. Some people, some Christians are living with that right now. Nothing's new. Nothing's changed. Because we're not objectively looking at situations and saying, hey, let me get my emotions out of this for a minute. Because the Bible says if we're led by our flesh, which is our emotions leading us, that leads to death. That leads to problems. But if we're led by the Spirit, it leads to life and peace. And so we need to be led by the Spirit and just be more objective when we face things and say, man, is this something I need to adjust, something I need to change? God, is this, is this someplace you're just you're walking me through, something you want to teach me? Are you disciplining me, God? You know, when we get that off, we can really mess up our lives. If we blame everything on the devil, I know some blame everything on the devil people. You know, there's an old comedian named Flip Wilson, and you know, this is before drag queens and all this stuff, but it used to be funny when people would dress up and, you know, pretend to be a woman. He'd pretend to be a black woman. And uh, he would always, you know, she would mess up, and she'd always say, well, the devil made me do it. And it was, you know, you got you to just live in that time frame. He had a real famous comedy show on, and she would always say, her name was Geraldine, I think, the devil made me do it. And, and everything was blamed on the devil, and it was so comedic because it was obvious that it was her. You know, we can start blaming everything on the devil and, and, or the other way around, we blame everything on God because we don't really have an objective view of what's really happening. And so in order to walk out 
life successfully following God and achieving the will of God for your life, man, we have to have a real objective view of what is happening in our life. Amen? And this, we talked about that last Wednesday, but I want to talk about the second thing, and that is to choose to see God in every situation. To choose to see God in every situation. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? What things is he talking about? Trouble, issues, difficulties, just stuff happening. He said, um, If God is for us, who, who can be against us? You know, we have to choose to see God in every situation. When you begin to apply this, what we're teaching tonight, what I'm teaching tonight, if we, when we all begin to apply this, we're going to see things differently. I love, you know, I, I believe God's in every situation and every, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I said sometimes it doesn't feel like it. What do you do when God's silent? What do you do when you can't feel his presence? Can I tell you something? That's the greatest test of your faith. And he could be silent for long periods of time. Sometimes years. Sometimes years. Can I tell you something? The greatest moves of God I've ever seen, I haven't felt a thing. I've seen some great moves of God. Tremendous moves of God. I didn't feel a thing. Matter of fact, some of the greatest moves of God that I've ever experienced was when uh, I felt like God was the most silent to me. That I, I, I couldn't feel his presence. I couldn't feel his presence. You know, we sang that song about that he, that he does things, things that we can't see, he, he comes through. Even that we can't see it, he comes through for us and makes that, changes the reality of that. Because faith is the, uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So your faith is really in, at, put it to the test when he's silent and you can't feel him. You just have to trust his word. When we were singing that song about Jesus, I said to him, Jesus, I have never seen you. I've seen you move. I've seen your presence. I've seen the difference you make in nations, in people, in families, in individuals. But I have never physically put my eyes on you. But I trust your word that you are who you say you are. See, that's faith. And when you don't feel him and he's silent, but you still say, I, you said you'll never leave me or forsake me. I don't need to feel it. I just believe it. I just believe you're here. And it doesn't feel like you're in this situation at all. But you promised you would be in the fire with me. You promised me that you would never, you're right here by my side. You said you're one who sticks closer than the brother. You're not just by my side. By your spirit, you live inside of me. You're always with me. So that's the spirit of faith. You know, again, I always look back to the children of Israel. They didn't pass those tests. And they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. And I said this to the staff yesterday when I teach on Tuesdays to the staff. And I said this to them. I hope that we don't have generations of people in here that God is waiting for you to die to bless the next generation. Well, when has he done that? In Israel. He waited 40 years for them to pass and then took the next generation to the promised land. And they weren't little kids anymore. The oldest would have been 60 
and on down, on down, on down to 40, you know, 40 to 60 in different ages. But he waited 40 years to take the next generation and bless them. Man, don't put yourself in a position that God's, God's just waiting for you to fade to bless someone else because you're standing in the way of the promises of God because you won't look at things properly. You, 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 let, you let your insecurities or your fears or your offense or anger or discouragement, whatever it is, you let those things get in the way of really looking at situations and saying, hey, man, I'm not running from this stuff. I'm going to face it because I know God loves me. You know, he said he removes all our guilt. He didn't just forgive us of our sins. He removed the guilt of sin. I mean, he's so good to us. You can allow him to correct you. He'll do it so sweetly. He'll kindly correct you. He'll always correct us for our own good. You don't have to be afraid to face your fears or face things because God will be kind about it. He'll be good to you about it. Amen? And so let's choose to see God in that situation. Also, last week we talked about Philippians 4.13. A lot of people know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, we have to trust in God's strength. You know, Paul said, when I am weak, you are strong. And he was talking about his grace, his unmerited favor, that when I don't even deserve it, I didn't even earn it, you help me. You strengthen me. You carry me. Oh, he's so good. But we have to choose to see God in situations, especially situations where we don't feel it. Number three, we have to, we've been talking about this. We have to steady our emotions. We have to steady our emotions. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Verse 15 says this. Let your heart always be always guided by the peace. Everybody say peace. Of the anointed one who called you to peace as part of his one body and always be thankful. Always be thankful. So he wants us to steady our emotions and not let them control us. You know, self-control is almost seen in a lot of cultures. A lot of, I, I see it in our culture in New Mexico that self-control and not being overly the top emotional is almost seen as a negative. It's almost seen as a negative. Self-control is something God talks about all the time. He said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-control. And he said, be temperate in everything. That word temperate means self-controlled. Well, you think about that word, self-controlled. Because this is what I know, and I teach this to guys when I've gone to prisons and jails. Over a period of time, I'll build a relationship, and I'll teach them about self-control. Because this is what I know about self-control. If you don't have it, then you'll have court control, police control. Somebody else will control you. Judges will control you. Somebody else is going to control you if you don't control yourself. That's how vital it is. That's how important it is that we steady our emotions. Steady them. Emotions are a blessing, but they're not to lead us. We're supposed to lead. The Spirit of God is supposed to lead our emotions, not our emotions leading our spirit. 
That leads to trouble. That's, that's when we say things that we regret. That's when we do things we regret. We say, we do, we act. And we're like, golly, I, I, was so, I acted like such a jerk right there. Or acted like a big baby right there. And we can embarrass ourselves. Anybody ever embarrassed yourself with your emotions? Yeah, me too. My wife at ball games won't even sit next to me. Because I, I, I don't, you know, I have to really work on my self-control when it comes to competitiveness and, and fairness. I, I'm, you know, man, I hate injustice. I mean, I despise injustice. And when I see it at any level, any place, and man, it just, it just bugs me tremendously. Injustice does. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, don't, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Do you notice both these scriptures talk about being thankful? Tell Him every detail of your life, then God's wonderful peace, here we go, go again, that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Again, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, control, you know, and his peace being in charge of both our minds and our hearts. And so we have to learn emotional control so that we make wise decisions, wise, correct decisions. Amen? Um, number four. Oh, let me read you a couple things about emotions first. An emotional person is a person easily stirred by emotion and a person who places much value on emotions. Easily stirred and places much value. And they've learned that they can use it to manipulate and they learned that sometimes it's rewarded because sometimes those emotions are right, but more times than not, they're wrong. And so God didn't call us to be an emotional person that, that leads to negative emotions. He called us to be emotional. Peace is an emotion. I believe peace is an emotion. And so he just wants us to use the emotions he gave us. Joy, peace, patience, all these other emotions. Gratitude, thankfulness. He wants us to use being led by the emotions of the Spirit. Amen. When you operate in self-control, you're operating in real freedom. Because then, then and only then, can emotions not push you around. And if Satan knows, I know people that are so easily offended. I see them. They are so easy. I mean, anything can offend them. And Satan makes sure you get offended. He'll offend you at church. He'll offend you at work. He'll offend you at the grocery store. I mean, if you're easily offended... Oh, my goodness, Satan will make sure you get offended. And you'll make unwise choices about jobs, careers, places you live, relationships. I mean, there's all kinds of bad choices we can make when we're, when we're pushed around by emotions and are so doggone easily offended. Wow. Church, you know the Spirit of God? God says that His people are not easily offended. I mean, it, it's, it should be very, very difficult to offend you. 
Let me say it again. It should be extremely difficult. If you're a Christian, it should be extremely difficult to offend you. And even when people do offend you, if they ask for forgiveness, you still forgive them. The Bible says, forgive one another. And he said, this is what he said in Colossians. He said, young Christians are going to offend. They step on toes. Sometimes they're like bulls in a china cabinet. And I've been there. And, man, you got, he said, deal with them sweetly. Deal with them kindly. Be gentle. Be forgiving towards them. Like a child. Like a little kid. You know, we don't think of it as parents. When, when, when babies throw up on us, I, don't, I didn't get offended. I didn't go like, how dare you throw up on me? Well, there's, there's baby Christians. You know, and, and we don't need to be offended by them. You know, I know whole churches, man, I'm telling you, they get in freak-out mode if someone brings their kids that is a baby Christian, and their children have been around cussing for years, and they drop a cuss word over in the children's department. And people, I... <laughs> Sally, this little boy said this word. And I'm like, well, it's unfortunate, and we don't encourage them to cuss. We're not over at KOTM saying, hey, glad you're here and cussing, man. We're th thank God. You know, that's not who we are. And we're not going to condone it, and we're going to correct it. But guys, there's, the world's coming. This is a hospital. People are coming that are messed up. And <laughs> gosh. I'm glad they didn't kick me out of the church. I cussed like a sailor. Before I was born again. And I'm glad they didn't kick me out. And I know some Christians, man, they, and, and the Bible says don't, don't, it point blank tells us not to cuss. We shouldn't use words that, that are, are meant to be um, uh, harmful or, or crude or, we shouldn't be doing that. But, but you know, I just give people opportunities to grow. Amen. We don't condone the behavior. We will correct it and continue to correct it. But we're not going to freak out because the lost show up and come to church here. We're going to embrace them and say, man, we've been you. Praise God. Come on. You'll get past it. We'll help you overcome it. You'll learn. You know, in Psalms 94, 13, God says, He gives us the power to stay calm in adversity. You can look that up. Psalms 94, 13. He gives us the power to stay calm in adversity. You know, I've been in some tough situations in my life in the world, uh, some difficult situations. Some of you have been there too, where, you know, there's danger, serious danger involved in different situations, circumstances. And man, I, I, I never liked it when people would freak out. I mean, when they would get so fearful or whatever, or even angry and start freaking out, because people that freak out don't add anything to the, they take away. They make matters worse. There's certain people I've said, man, I don't want them in my foxhole. There's certain people, if I was in the hospital, and man, I was hanging on for dear life, and people were praying for my life, I wouldn't want to come in. 
Because they'd fall apart, or they'd be like, praise God, he's finally out of here. One of the two. I don't. Either one of those emotions, I don't want them. Man, if I'm hanging on for dear life, man, I want people to come in there with a spirit of faith and believe God that I'm going to live. We can cry if I die, I hope, you know. But that, that's the time for mourning. But the time when people are breathing, it's time to fight. And so, man, I salute. I've been with families in this church that have fought to the last breath, and I, I salute you. And then, then it's a time to mourn. Then there's a time to grieve. But, man, when we're in it, God gives us the ability to stay calm. And don't let anybody mistake your calm for lack of caring. Because calm people really care. People that just give in to their emotions, you know who they care about? Themselves. Themselves, because they make matters worse. They don't make them better. Someone say amen. amen. Number four, do not listen to people who pull you down. Do not listen to people that pull you down. Don't hang out with them. Go with me to Psalms chapter Chapter 1, I, we read this, I think, last week. I'm going to read it again. I love Psalms 1. It's so good. Every word in here is good. I love it all. It says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. You know, so there's two parts to this. One, that kind of person doesn't hang with people that are always negative. People that are always, always pulling people down. You know, one of the worst things, can I just, can I just, Say this to you, two things Julie and I have experienced, actually three, but I'm only going to talk about two. Number one, when Julie first got pregnant, we noticed with our first child that when we were getting around other people that have had babies, they started sharing stories. And not all of them were good. Some of them were, oh, oh, your first one, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. I got like 40 stitches. I almost bled to death. And I mean, it just was, I screamed. It was, I was in labor for 60 months. And I mean, it just, I mean, they have these horror stories that they want to share. And I'm looking at my wife and she's going, really? You know, and Julie and I were, you know, we were in faith, you know, that it was going to be a good pregnancy and a good delivery. And we're, and these people just, it was crazy in the second one, in the third one. And I've talked to young couples in our church that I've said, I've asked them, I said, how you doing? And da, 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 da. And we just had the course of conversation. They'll say, yeah, and man, I had this happen. And I shared that, yeah, man, I, I'm dealing with this with one, you know, a couple ladies I know. And they said, oh, yeah, I dealt with that. Oh, my gosh, that's going to be terrible. I mean, just told them the horror stories of what's going to happen. Guys, listen, we don't need to be like that. We can share wisdom, but we don't need to share fear. It, I mean, we don't need to share fear. The second situation I've been in is when my youngest son, Cody, was diagnosed with diabetes when he was three years old. We would sit in the waiting rooms, waiting rooms in Lubbock, waiting for, for doctors and things to happen, and people would sit in there, and it, it was, guys, it, it, it made me mad. But I didn't give in to my emotions, praise God. Because the parents, 
<coughs> their child being sick became the parent's identity. And it's like, I'm, I'm the child, I'm the parent of a child who's got this or that. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. it was all about them. And I'm listening to their children, and I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching their children as they're talking about this, saying, yeah, they said, you know, they're going to, this is what's going to happen to them, and they, this is what's going to happen to them, and this could bad happen, and this could happen, and that could happen, and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just watching the children, and Jillian and I are like, oh, my goodness. So we, we purposed, we sat in there a couple times. After that, we'd go check in, and we'd sit in a totally different spot. Didn't want to be around any of that. None of it. What, what good is that going to do to hear all those horror stories? You know, it's one thing to say, hey, the doctor says this could happen, that can happen, we need to do this. We need to. That's just wisdom. But to treat it like it's their identity and, you know, now they're the parent of a, you know, and that makes them somehow special and unique. And I just, I can't stand that stuff. They're not the ones suffering. It's the child. Make it about the child, not about themselves. And don't sow this seed into them. Don't sow a seed of horrific things happening. Have a little bit of a different attitude about that. But you can't hang around that and be healthy. You just can't hang around that. I see people going through marriage stuff, and they're getting all their advice from divorcees. And it blows my mind. Yeah, all the ladies at work are telling me, yeah, just do this. Don't, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how many of them have a happy marriage? None of them. Okay, that's, that's wisdom. Take their advice. Don't take advice from people who don't have any successes in those areas. Come on now. Julie and I were, it was so different that the spirit of God on us was so different that after a while they started calling us to go talk to parents that had just had children diagnosed because they were in freakout mode. And they would ask us to bring our son Cody so they could see how healthy and energetic and he was just a little boy having fun. And so they, they asked us to do that uh, several times uh, with other families. And we got to minister to them and encourage them. And, and because it was, all they were hearing was bad, 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 bad. Amen? But you can't hang around that all the time and end up healthy. You need to be wise what you hear and what you see and what you experience. Amen? You need to use some wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of, companion of fools will suffer harm. you got to choose who your companions are. I encourage you to walk with the wise. Walk with people that have a spirit of faith, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Um, number five uh, is... Uh, Put things, uh, we already talked about that, about putting things in per perspective, but I want to directly talk about the spirit of fear. The Bible says he didn't give us the spirit of fear, right? But a, a power, love, and a sound mind. We've already talked about that, self-control. Fear is, is, can be uh, uh, debilitating. It can be distracting. Fear makes is tiring and is often irrational. It can make things look like they're not. You know, I... I the Bible says the devil appears, doesn't say he is, like a roaring lion. He appears like a roaring lion, appears. That means he's not. But he, you see him in the movies, how Satan and demons are, and how the spirit of evil is just powerful. 
See, he's, he's trying to make himself appear through the, the, the satanic worship and all the fears and all the de- demonic activity in Hollywood. They build Satan up and they build demons up to make it seem like, oh, this is so evil. And now, you start you watch movies when I was a kid, good always beat evil. Now there's a whole series of movies that evil doesn't die, evil wins, evil kills, evil, I mean, it just continues. I don't watch those kind of movies, but I see, you know, one, two, three, you know. I think Jason's been killed like a thousand times Friday the 13th. I did watch the first one, and I never watched another one of those movies again. I didn't like it. There's a spirit on it, spirit of fear on it. And it puffed evil up to make it look like it was invincible. And, of course, there's not one Christian in any of the movies that knows their authority. I've told a story before of a friend of mine who's written two books. They're out in our bookstore uh, um, about seeing into the spirit realm. And I've, I've been around him enough to know it's legit. This isn't again. He is absolutely legitimate. And I remember he was called to a, a, a friend of ours' house, and he went over to the house, and this guy said, man, I got a big old demon in my back room. I, don't, I can't get rid of it. Can you help me? Because they knew he saw in the spirit. So he went over there. And they started to walk down the hallway, and this demon popped out from the room, and it was huge. And this guy knows, who sees into the spirit world, it's called the, the gift of discerning of spirits, he knows that demons are little. And he'd never seen one this big. He's like, my gosh, that is a big demon. And then he realized the scripture, Satan appears like a roaring lion. And the guy said, see, 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 and was scared to death. And he finally looked at him and said, in the name of Jesus, show us what you really look like. He went, whoop. And the guy went, oh, my gosh, that's what I've been scared of? He's been appearing to me to look like this big, massive demon, and he's not. That's why we got to put things in perspective. Because Satan will blow it up. (coughs) He'll blow it up and make it look bigger than it ever is. I know people who miss opportunities, and they're like, oh, my gosh, that was an opportunity of a lifetime. Another opportunity will never come around. That's not true. That's not true at all. God's a God of multiple opportunities. You know what? Sometimes you don't even realize. Let me say this to you. Sometimes you don't even realize you dodged a bullet. How many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, have ever regretted something that you thought you missed and then sometime later you realized how messed up that was and you're like, "Woo! I'm so glad I didn't do that. Amen? And so, you know, you just got to put things in perspective. God, I've talked about it a, a dozen times. God's not a God of a, of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Even if you do blow an opportunity, doesn't mean you'll blow it. He, he won't bring it back around to you. Learn, grow, repent, get it right, and trust God to bring it back around, man. You know, but don't, don't be moved just by fear, you know. Just because you failed once doesn't mean you'll fail always. You might, you might fail a ton. You might fail a ton. Man, you only have to be right a few times to fulfill God's will. You know, and you can't get so fearful because you fail, get, get afraid of failure. Because it does hurt and it does cause harm. But man, you just got to pick yourself up and say, okay, God, I missed it. Teach me why, how, give me wisdom, and let me grow from it. Someone say amen. Amen. Come on. 
Oh, man, this last one's the most important. We're not going to get to it. But we're going to get to it next Wednesday. Because Reed's playing my... They're bringing out the hook music. They're going to hook me out of here. But we're going to talk about number six. That's live by the spirit of faith. Man, we're going to go deep into what the spirit of faith does. I mean, it's going to be so good. It's, I, when I was studying this, I'm like, woo, Lord, this is good stuff right here. Good stuff. If you want to read ahead, read Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Faith. But we're going to go through that and talk about 10, 10 ways the spirit of faith acts. 10 ways the spirit of faith acts that changes our perspective, that changes, not just our perspective, that actually changes the circumstances. Oh, it's going to be so good. Please don't miss. Not because, not because I'm preaching it, but because God spoke at it. It's going to be good. He wants us to hear it. Amen. Uh, listen, um, every eye closed, if you will. I want to thank, I should have done this early, but I want to thank all those that joined us online. Thank you for that. Uh, I have a friend that watches a lot. His name is uh, Mark, Pastor Mark. Uh, just wanted to say hi to you tonight. Um, watches all the time. But whether you're online or in this room, you know, God loves us. He's for us. You know, and, and not only do sometimes people blame, blame Satan for everything, but sometimes they blame God for everything. God took this. God made this happen. God did this. God did that. And, you know, because we don't want to acknowledge that there's evil in the world, and sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that, that we have an enemy named Satan or that we make bad decisions that cause harm in our own lives and those around us. I just want you to know, I'm saying that because there's someone in this room that you blame God. And I'm going to say something to you that God said. He said he neither tempts with evil, nor is he tempted by evil. So if it's evil, if it's wrong, if it's ugly that happened, it's not from our Father. So it's real important you get a right perspective. And the only way you can do that is if you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you surrender your life to Him, if you surrender your life to Him, He'll teach you these things. He'll teach you how to discern and situations. He'll give you guidance and wisdom that's not from this world. It's from heaven. It's supernatural wisdom, supernatural direction. It's not from this world. But it begins, that whole relationship begins by you surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, why would he ask me to surrender my whole life? Well... Because he surrendered his whole life to save yours. And unless you surrender your life to his lordship and you say, listen, 
You're the Lord. You're the boss. You're, you're my king. You're my master. You're, I surrender to you. You won't make it into heaven. You'll always be lost in this world. And just as that scripture that was read in Proverbs earlier that, you know, the wicked still experience some of God's goodness. He said that. They get in on the goodness, His goodness too. But they're lost. They have, they have holes in, their, in them that are so dark. We see it all around our world. People that are, man, are successful. They're just so lost. They have everything but Jesus, and they're just, they're, they live in such dark places. We see people walking our streets that are the same way. They've, they've become so self-absorbed that it's driven them crazy. Or it's driven them to drugs and alcohol and just, such a dark place in their life. Maybe that's why you're here tonight. Maybe you're, that's why you're watching or sitting in here is that you realized what I realized. That when I would get alone with my thoughts, I'm like, golly, is there, is there nothing better than this? I, and I had a lot of good things going on. It just wasn't enough. It had to be something bigger, something better. Something beyond myself and my own selfishness and lusts and junk. Maybe that's exactly where you're at. Just at the end of your road. What you can do. What you thought you were capable of. And you don't know it, but God brought you here. Because he loves you and he wants to save your life. He wants to give you a life in this life worth living and, and more importantly, more, worth giving away. He wants to give you heaven as your eternal home. So if you've never prayed, we want to pray with you. First time many of us ever prayed, really prayed, was when we gave our hearts to Jesus surrendered our lives lives have never been the same because we meant it we didn't mean it for a week or a month or a day or a night we meant it for a lifetime for an eternity you can do the same thing if you make the same choice to surrender to accept Jesus as your Lord your Savior Or maybe you've just need another chance. You just need another chance. You've known him, you've walked with him, but you just, gosh, you keep getting distracted. Or you have some idols in your life that just always seem to be more important. Always seem to be more important. Always pull you away or distract you. And you just want to lay down those idols and come home. So whether it's your first time or your next time, and God will welcome you with open arms and, and with a great celebration. A great celebration. Only two times heaven, heaven, all of heaven celebrates only two times in the entire Bible. That's when someone surrenders their life for the first time to Jesus or some son or daughter comes home. 
That's how much it means to God. means to us. So if that's you and you want to pray, I'm going to ask you to do two things. The first one is, on the count of three in this room, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me, unashamedly. Online, I'm going to ask you just to send us a message on that note board or whatever and say, message board, hey, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. And then the second thing is we're just going to pray right where you're at. Just going to pray. Get this right tonight. So if that's you, you want to pray tonight and get right with God. Surrender your life to Him. One, two, three. Just raise your hand in this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I saw your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Praise God. It's awesome. It's awesome. Let's all pray. Pray with these online as well. Say this with me. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. I believe you love me. I I believe you love us. And you sent Jesus to die on a cross. Pour out his holy blood for my sins. I believe that. But I also believe that you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. You did all of that to rescue me. To save my life from the tyranny, the slavery of sin controlling me in the sentence of sin in the next life. Thank you for that. And because I believe that, ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your full forgiveness. And I thank you. You forgive me and remove guilt, shame, all of it right now because you said you would. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. I surrender my life to you and receive the Holy Spirit. And thank you, you teach me now by your word, by your spirit, how to serve you, how to live my life with your kingdom first and walk in your blessings and give them away. Thank you for saving my life, restoring my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Have a great night. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.